0: Chapter 9 of The Yellow Dove by George Gibbs. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tony Oliva. The Viking's Tower There in the middle of the afternoon, the butler brought her a note. For a moment before she read the superscription, a wild rush of something which might have been joy, yet could not be, sent a pale flush of color into her cheek but she glanced at the envelope carelessly and when the man had gone quickly opened it it was from john rizzio signed with the familiar initials and begun without either name or qualification you will think it strange perhaps that i should write to you after the events of last night because the modesty of a woman is the last thing that forgives my action is beyond apology and i offer none for fear that it may be construed into a hope a selfish hope of an unimaginable forgiveness hope has passed that with the others but something else remains something less selfish than hope and more vital than self-interest and that is a wholehearted wish that your honor may be kept free from the taint of the dark and furtive things with which it has come into contact. I am not a man, as you know, to boast of disinterestedness. I have lived a life in which my own affairs were always paramount, my own aims always most important. I am telling you this to warn you. That my generosity to hammersley is not actuated by any love of a man who has spoiled my dearest ambition but by the continued esteem with which i still regard yourself i do not love him and my own wish my duty my own honour my loyalty to england all acclaim that he should be delivered at once to those in authority and yet i have refrained for you doris but i have learned that h is in communication with g and that crinshaw of scotland yard is on the alert i may not be able to save him this is an appeal to the one person who has the most influence with him and i ask that you use whatever power over him you possess to bring him to a sense of the impossibility of his mad plans if you still have doubt as to the character of the work he has undertaken i ask that you go to Benakilt to-night and listen secretly to convincing proof of what he is for tonight at one o'clock on the cliffs near the old viking's tower he will meet a personal messenger from g i appeal to you for england but more than for england for yourself yours j r doris read the note through again and again her thoughts blurring unpleasantly like a photograph out of focus it seemed impossible that she could do what he asked of her every instinct wounded and sore from her last encounter revolted at the thought of meeting cyril again under the conditions presented it was impossible that she should go cyril would only laugh at her or what would be worse show her the callousness and brutality that he had done this morning rizzio asked her to do what she could why should she save him what had he done to merit such a sacrifice of pride on her part the past that was dead and cyril buried with it england she put her head forward into her hands and pressed her fingers to her temples england as the afternoon faded into night the conviction grew in doris's mind that the situation made personal considerations unimportant after dinner she excused herself and dressing warmly toward twelve o'clock went downstairs past the library door and out to the stables. She found a sleepy groom and giving him a liberal fee as the price of his silence had a side-saddle put on a good horse and made her way in the direction of Benachilte. She knew the road well for she had traveled it many times with Cyril and Betty during the previous summer, when all the world was gay and she and cyril were lovers she was a little nervous at being alone on the moor in the darkness but not frightened she gave herself greater hardihood by trying to remember that cyril and Rizzio were gentlemen one of whom she had thought she could have trusted with her life the other a friend who wanted to be trusted with it and now protested he held her honor dearer than his own not her enemies surely and the thought of physical harm from either of them-the only thing that could have deterred her from this midnight venture did not occur to her but as she came to saltam rocks the scene of cyril's last night's encounter she pressed forward more rapidly with a keen eye upon the gray blur of the road she reached the crossroads her breath coming a little more rapidly pulled her horse down to a walk and turned in upon cyril's property going forward more slowly until the present moment she had formulated no plan of action nor had counted upon the possibilities of discovery so she rode cautiously making a long detour across the moor to avoid the lights of one of the keeper's houses which stood upon the road She found that she had to choose her way among the rocks and winds. But her horse was sure-footed, and at a walk there was little danger of a cropper. She kept the road in sight, and by the fitful light of the stars, between the rack of mist and clouds that were coming in from the sea, she made her way in the general direction of the lodge. On her right, she had glimpses of the sea beyond the cliffs, and heard the pounding of the surf upon the rocks and shingle. The Viking's Tower was up among the rocks near Beaufort Head, half a mile beyond the house. She had been there with Cyril many times, and from the ruined wall had sat with him and looked out over the North Sea, while he had told her in his sporty vernacular the story of the tower and of the Johnnies who had built it it was difficult to identify that cyril now with the man of mystery lurking out there somewhere in the dark his mind set on the odious business of betraying his country the lodge was set inland from the sea in a valley between two ridges which narrowed down to a fissure in the rocks that fell away to beaufort cove a small harbor almost landlocked where cyril kept his motor boats in sloop as the girl approached the lodge she turned far to the left and made a wide circle among the hills so that there could be no chance of inquisitive eyes discovering the bold silhouette of her horse against the sky slowly she climbed the lower ridges of Benakilt until she reached a level spot high above the house garage stables and hangar where she stopped for a moment to rest her winded horse. Below her, a wild panorama of land and wind-blown sky, the ragged profile of black rocks etched deep into the sullen gray of the sea. Seen from this height, the contours were unfamiliar to her, and the purpose of her grim visit gave the grim vista a dramatic significance that was almost theatrical. Long lines emerged from the dark blur of sea and sky and roared in upon the rocks that guarded the harbor upon which they were shivered into foam. Inside the rim of rocks, the placid cove calmly reflected the sky. She saw the motorboats near the landing, made out the specter lines of Cyril's Sloop, the windbird, and in the shadow of the cliffs saw another vessel the lines of which were unfamiliar this craft was long and slender with a wireless mast and two large smokestacks no light showed aboard of her but there were signs of activity for while the girl looked a small boat was lowered and was pulled for the landing and suddenly the real meaning of this dark vessel was born to her there was no mistaking the grim profile of the thing that projected from the forward superstructure and the curving decks which met the water in such slender lines it was a war vessel a destroyer and the man who was putting out for the shore was the german messenger who was to meet cyril hammersley at ben she trembled and clung to the pommel of her saddle the brief joyous moments that had come to her at intervals during the evening as she thought of the inflections of cyril's voice of the weary look she had seen in his eyes and hoped that even tonight he might be able to justify himself in her own thoughts at least were engulfed in the damning conviction of what she saw before her john rizzio had told her the truth how he had learned what was to happen she did not know or care but the accuracy of his information was no longer a matter to doubt she looked around her in the darkness toward the way by which she had come really frightened for the first time that evening as at the palpable presence of sin for a moment she hesitated in her intention to go forward she had seen enough to convince her there was no need of more but the real object of her mission nerved her to her task she must go on at once if she wished to reach the tower in time to conceal herself so she pressed her horse along the hill and when she had crossed the ridge rode down in a path parallel to the edge of the cliffs which brought her after a while into a line with beaufort head where she could see the dim mass of the ruin rising above the chaos of rock that surrounded it When she reached a spot not too far distant, she dismounted in a clump of bushes and, fastening the bridle of her horse to the gnarled limb of a stunted tree, crept forward on foot. The excitement of the venture and its possible consequences now gave her renewed strength and caution. Moving to the left, toward the northern side of the tower, she clambered over the rocks toward the sea there should be plenty of time to reach a place of concealment before the occupant of the boat had time to climb the steep and torturous path from the landing and peering from side to side pausing from time to time to listen she reached the shadow of table rock a huge slab of granite which had been tossed by some convulsion of nature upon the very summit of the head the physical contours of the place made her approach an easy one for the cliffs were strewn with boulders and it was easy to slip from one to another without detection assured that the spot that she had reached was as near the tower as she dared approach for the present she wedged herself into a crevice between two rocks into which she might pass and go out by the other side and sank down upon her knees and waited the moments passed slowly where was john rizzio would cyril never come she had a moment of horror in the thought that the german messenger might come and discover her before cyril arrived what would he do to her kill her of course and in a panic of sinking nerves she thought of getting to her feet and fleeing into the friendly darkness from which she had come she had even risen and her head was just below the level of the top of her refuge when she heard footsteps close by and got the odor of a cigarette so she sank back her hand at her heart to quiet its throbbings the footsteps passed her returned and then went toward the tower and she bared her head and peered cautiously out a tall figure in a long coat and deerstalker cap was standing watching the path to the landing she could not see his features but she knew that it was cyril for one moment she thought of running to him and throwing herself at his feet and pleading with him while there was still time to go away into the darkness with her anywhere before this stranger should reach him but her courage failed her and she sank back into her corner and when she straightened again her moment had passed for she heard other footsteps to her right of a man as he clambered up the rocks he passed quite near her a burly man in a naval cap and coat out of breath from his exertions cyril came forward to meet him and she heard the short words of their greeting herr hammersley ja she peered out and saw the burly man straighten his heels together and touch his fingers to the rim of his cap cyril bowed and asked a question and the other replied in a sentence that contained the word hochheit which was the only word she understood she crept a little closer so that she could hear more distinctly hoping that her slight knowledge of german might aid her she watched cyril to see if he passed anything to the german officer instead of this the german took a letter from an inside pocket and handed it to cyril and she heard the words hochheit again and excellenz a message it seemed from some prince or from some general or high official of the german government cyril appeared to offer apologies and broke the seal of the envelope bringing from the pocket of his overcoat an electric torch by the aid of which he read the letter doris could see his face quite plainly in the reflected light from the page and mark the deep lines at his brows and the stern look at his mouth and chin he went over the document twice very carefully and then as he turned to his companion she heard his voice saying quite distinctly in german you know the purport of this paper no herr hammersley said the officer my orders are merely to deliver this letter which was to receive your acceptance cyril paused for a long moment tapping the document lightly with his finger and then taking a pencil from his pocket bent over and upon the nearest rock wrote something then he slipped the letter into its envelope and handed it to the other who put it into his pocket saluted again and with a hurried farewell turned down the path and was gone that was all the interview had not lasted more than five minutes but doris knew by the look she had seen on cyril's face that danger threatened the letter had contained a command a command from a german officer of high rank to cyril hammersley a spy receiving his orders from the government he served if he had gone back to the lodge at this moment she would have let him go past her without a word for the bitterness came back into her heart and engulfed all purpose she sat in her place of concealment peering out at him fascinated he moved nearer and then stood his feet braced on the rocks gazing down the path by which his midnight visitor had disappeared how long he stood there motionless she could not know but as the moments passed and he did not move she rose from her cranny her trembling nerves seeking an outlet in motion or speech why didn't he move at last her overtaxed nerves could no longer endure and she came out of the shadow and spoke his name Still, he made no motion, and she realized that her lips had made no sound. But her foot touched a small stone, which fell among the rocks, and she saw him wheel around and face her quickly, something glittering in his hand, while his voice rang sharply. Stand where ye are. He took a few threatening steps toward her, his look studying her small bulk. It's I, Cyril, she said faintly doris you he glanced to right and left putting the thing in his pocket and faced her incredulous what are you doing here doris i came to-to see you again his eyes were still searching the darkness around them who told you to come here no one she lied i followed you who saw you come you heard yes slowly oh cyril I can't let you go from me like this. She put her face into her hands and felt his arms enfold her. She trembled, but in this weakness a new kind of strength came to her. I want you to come with me away, away from all this, for me, for England. It's my last appeal. You must not refuse it. I I want you so, Cyril, as it used to be she felt his lips gently touch her brow and heard his whisper god bless you she clung to him desperately to his caress the one sure symbol of his purity i love you cyril she murmured i can't help it i've tried not to but you couldn't kiss me like this reverently if you did not love me well enough to forget everything else say you do dear i love you he whispered again "'But you must not stay here. "'You must. "'Doesn't it mean something to you that I came?' "'She went on breathlessly. "'That I could forget what happened, "'that the love that was in my heart for you "'was greater than my hatred of what you are. "'I came so that you could know it "'by the difficulty, the danger that I ran. "'I don't care what others may think of me. "'The only thing that matters is to have you again.' "'You don't know what it costs me to come. "'I am not the kind to be held so lightly, Cyril. "'I have forgotten my pride, "'even my sense of what is fitting for a girl to do, "'in the hope that you will listen to me.' "'Yes,' he murmured. "'But not now, Doris. "'You must go back.' "'Not yet,' she protested. "'I... I have much to do,' he said. "'That messenger oh cyril you mustn't come back with me tonight now i can't he muttered it-it is important for me to stay here she loosened his arms and stood away from him peering down into the cove where the clouds of black smoke were belching from the funnels of the black vessel the water of the cove was churning in its wake and its prow was turning toward the harbor mouth suddenly she saw cyril start and peer around him in the darkness who sent you here she heard his voice in a strangled whisper at her ear no one she denied again i followed you that isn't possible doris he said quickly i have reasons for knowing you were here before i came rizzio told you he knew what was to happen he was the only one who could have known why her curiosity sent all subterfuge flying she could see his pale face in the moonlight because it was rizzio who sent this messenger to meet me rizzio the mystery was deepening i can't understand he hesitated a long moment before replying as though weighing something in his mind i'll tell you this much he said at last you've a right to know rizzio told you that he was an agent of the english government it's my word against his you can believe me or not if you like rizzio is a spy of germany impossible john rizzio she whispered aghast he laughed the pot calling the kettle black what it's the truth but rizzio what object would he have in betraying england a man of his position that's the kind of men england's enemies want put in cyril dryly but he has no need of money not money impossible no not money there are other things that john rizzio values more than money what he caught her by the arm impressively to make his meaning clear you don't know the passion of collectors they would sell their souls for the things they want the things that seem impossible are the things they want the most but i don't understand after the war rizzio is to be permitted by rubens descent from the cross from the german government oh she gasped in horror a new idea of the terrible possibilities of duplicity was born to her but she couldn't believe how do you know this she asked he laughed it's one of the things i stopped in london to find out then you i am a german spy i don't believe you she cried proudly there was a note of joy in her voice a momentary note which seemed to trail off into one of terror cyril she whispered rizzio he wrote me to come here i knew it but he said he she hesitated why did he want me to come there must have been some other reason besides wanting me to see he's here cyril somewhere hammersley started and turned his hand in his pocket and doris followed his look three men had risen from the rocks toward the tower don't move hammersley said rizzio's voice you're in danger doris but the girl was clinging to cyril's arm no no she was crying several shots rang out as cyril threw her aside dashing forward one of the men seemed to stumble among the rocks and fall heavily the other came in toward cyril his arm raised But another shot from behind the rocks made him pause, twist half around, his hand to his shoulder, as Cyril caught him a blow which sent him reeling to the edge of the cliff, over which he hung for a moment, peering downwards in horror, and then disappeared from view. Well done, Stryker, she heard Cyril cry. The other, this way, don't let him get off, and Stryker disappeared after Rizzio. End of chapter 9